So many of you know, uh, probably everybody knows, how perilous our times are right now. Seems like every time you turn the TV on, there's something to cause more anxiety, a terrorist attack, and things like that. And as a counselor, I've noticed uh, that there's a lot more anxiety uh, that's just, I would call, free-floating anxiety that's just going around. And people that come in that uh, normally aren't too frazzled about things or even upset. And, and it's not even something that you're really highly conscious of or uh, know what it's about, but it's there. It's, it's palpable. So uh, the first scripture that I have is relative to that, you know, Revelations 12, 11. And it says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. So the blood of the lamb is the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we praise God for that. And what remains relative to us being overcomers is the word of our testimony. And I think that's something that not only is the way that I preach, because I share basically what's going on in my meditative, contemplative prayer life, because that, to me, is God's living word inside of me. Uh, but I think it's also something that allows anyone to minister to anyone else. You don't have to have, you know, a dozen tracks and three places in your Bible and everything else to go up to someone. You can just go up to someone and tell them what's going on in your life, even if it's a struggle. You can go to uh, share what's going on in your life. Everybody struggles. One of the things, and Roxanne, we mentioned about her, her mission statement is, with the comfort that I receive, I comfort others. We've all been comforted by God, and we've all been uh, ministered to by God in personal ways at different times. We can always share that, and that's a powerful witness because it's real. So don't feel like maybe your giftedness isn't to come up here and do this, but that doesn't mean that you can't share. Um, the, the first picture is I'd like to share with you the next slide. Who is that? That's right. And what, what's his role? What's his role? What's he performing as? Yeah, he's a doctor. And, and actually, uh, in this, I picture him as an emergency room doctor. And who's he running to? Yeah. He's running to each one of this. I, my prayer for this year, I, I usually have a promise or a prayer that I go through, not every day, but when it comes to mind. And my prayer for this year is that I might know the personal love of Jesus for me on a deeper level. Um, I've struggled with, with my life with anxiety, like we were talking before, and, and mine's heightened as well as a result of what's going on. And I know that perfect love casts out fear, which we will get to. Uh, so I asked the Lord for something for this year that would allow me to focus on his perfect love so that that would drive out my fear. And this is kind of the picture that he gave me. And, and this is hard to grasp, but try for a moment to follow me here. Um, Jesus is running to each one of us. Now, when he does that, in effect, we don't really understand this because we're not omniscient, but in effect, what he does is he drops everything and everyone else and somehow 
comes to meet us personally in our time of need. Now, how he does that, I have no clue. But I believe, especially since I've been looking at this, I believe that that's what he does. And I believe that there's a blessing in that for us. So picture him for a moment with me. He's heard your cry. He he knows what's going on inside. And he's saying, I'm running. Nothing is more important than what you're calling me for. I'm coming. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's the sort of thing you hear about in a fairy tale. But this isn't a fairy tale. This is the good news of Jesus Christ because he is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. He is able to drop everything and everyone and come to meet us in our moment of need with our deepest pain. And, And not just as a casual observer. The scripture says, that he suffered in every way, all temptations, didn't sin, and yet, and yet he didn't sin. He went to the cross and died for our sins, so he experienced everything that humanity has to offer relative to suffering. And that's something that we don't understand either. And thank God we don't understand it. In addition to all the pain that he experienced, he experienced the abandonment of his father, which is something that we don't have to experience because he experienced it. God is just or God isn't God. And justice requires punishment. Punishment for sin is absolutely necessary for our salvation. And the worst punishment is total abandonment and separation from God. So when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't just talking about, I feel forsaken. As hard as it is to understand, the father actually turned his back on Jesus. And he said, why have you abandoned me now? I did everything you wanted me to do. Why have you abandoned me now in my my worst moment? Because of that, we never have to be abandoned. Because of that, Jesus' promise that I am with you always, even to the end of the age, is true. We can believe it. So Jesus is running to us to meet our need. I talked before on the next slide, it's perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. And it is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Now, I know we've heard that one day we're going to give an account. When I used to hear that, I would be afraid because I knew that I was anything but perfect. And it also says that we're going to be looked at according to our deeds. And I was worried about that too. Until I understand this perfection of love, which Jesus 
satisfied. You know, I was born with a, a thought that I was either burning in hell or burning in purgatory. And that's not a very good thought. And now I know that this is purgatory, if you want to call it that. If you want to say that there's a purgatory, it's here. There is no purgatory according to the Bible. There is one mention in, I believe, in uh, Isaiah and in Corinthians, where it says that there's going to be a fire that purifies what we've done. So anything that we've done for the wrong motive is not going to count. So that, that might be a negative. And that might be wise to consider if you're doing something to please other people, the fear of man is a snare, well, I wouldn't expect any reward for it. We have to do something that's motivated by God's Spirit touching our heart in order for it to be rewarded. My wife was working with me yesterday trying to get the taxes, and I knew she was thirsty because she drank some of my seltzer water, and she doesn't usually do that. So I, I went downstairs to get something, and I had, there was a thing of water in the refrigerator, and I brought it up to her, and she said, oh, thank you. And I says, oh, I'm, I'm going to get to get blessed in heaven because it says to whomever you do this, you do this to me. You bring a glass of cold water, you know. We're, we'll be rewarded for those kinds of genuine acts of love and mercy and sharing. But I didn't bring it to her so that she would we, uh, you know, be excited or anything like that. I was pleasantly surprised with her reaction, but I didn't do it for that. I just figured she was thirsty, and we were both thirsty. And, um, and now I know that not only did I get a reward here, but there'll be a reward in heaven. That's what it means when it says we're going to bring an account. Jesus settled the score. It's done. No more punishment. I mean, we do have to go through this life. And it is, isn't easy. Roxanne would tell you that if she was here. You know, there's procedures and tests and all the things that go on. There's days when we're tired. There's days when we're sick. There never seems to be enough money. Our children don't go in the way that we'd like them to go sometimes. We're concerned about the responsibilities that we have for our family. We have our own sinfulness that disturbs us probably more than anything. I think the greatest temptation is not to hate ourselves for the way that we are sometimes. But Jesus took it. And that second verse from 1 John 2, 2. And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation, which means the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours alone, <clears throat> but also for the sins of the whole world. <clears throat> Excuse me. After this, knowing that all was now finished, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It says that our work is to believe. Our work of salvation is to believe in his finished work, period. We don't have to go out and duplicate his work. We couldn't if we tried. We don't have to jump through moral hoops in order to get there. We just have to believe that his work is enough. His work is perfect. 
It's finished. There's nothing lacking. This isn't good news. This is fantastic news. The, the next slide, this, this, is, this is him or a picture of, you know, Mel Gibson's actor, Jim Caviezel. But this depicts him going through what we don't have to go through as he paid for our sin. He accepted this. They didn't have to drag him. When they found him in the garden, he said, who are you looking for? And they said, uh, Jesus. And he stood up and he says, I am. And everybody fell down. And he submitted himself. He, he said he didn't have to. He could have had 12 legions of angels there. And just him standing up make them, made them fall down. So it wasn't weakness. It was meekness. Power under control. The most powerful force of the universe through whom the universe was created submitted to a punishment that he didn't deserve and paid in full our price so that we could rejoice. Amen. We shouldn't really, if we, if we understand the full implications of the gospel, no matter what, we shouldn't be really, really down and depressed. I mean, we do get depressed at times. Don't get me wrong. Everybody goes through this. But we shouldn't live in that constant state. If so, then, you know, see a doctor, get some help. There's help for that stuff. Um, but in general, when we know the finished work of Jesus Christ and the reward that is awaiting us in this brief period of time, these momentary light afflictions, and then we're going to be there for 10,000 years, and then it had just begun, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to laugh at what we got upset about here. And, and part of our reward will be as a result of what we've gone through, even if we don't go through it so well. Just think about being there and saying, oh, we never have to wake up again at 5 in the morning. We never have to worry about a cold. We don't have to worry about shoveling snow. You know? Praise God is right. And it's all because of him and what he took willingly upon his back so that we could be free from God's wrath. God's wrath is real. I mean, it talks about his wrath in the Bible. People got killed. Jesus accepted being murdered in a merciless way so that we don't have to go through that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's going to be a moment. I don't know how it works, but I believe that it occurs. And in that moment, we will make that transition, and just like in Touched by an Angel, there'll be the angel there to meet us and bring us to heaven. Amen. It's, it's not going to be some terrible, horrible thing. That's what we view when we see it. But from God's perspective, in God's eyes, it's going to be the best day of our life.
and will say no more. And next slide is from Isaiah. This, this is as the divine physician comes to us. Um, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. You know, we talk about being freed from sin because of the shedding of his blood. But there's another aspect of his suffering that we don't talk about as much, and it's by his stripes we are healed. We need to to appropriate that. His body was broken so that ours might be healed. Now, I know not everybody gets healed in the uh, hall of fame of faith, Hebrews 11. It talks about all the people that were healed and did mighty things by faith. But at the end of Hebrews 11, it's a little disconcerting because it says not everyone received their reward here. Some were beheaded, some were sawn in two. You know, not, not so hopeful. But I have to believe that if they didn't receive it here, that their reward is going to be so much better there. We have four, possibly five, we believe five children in heaven. My wife had at least four miscarriage, and we believe that uh, Paul was a twin, so we believe five. Um, We have two, so two plus five is seven. It's a perfect number, so it's easy for me to believe that. Um, They got... They got what I always wanted. I was upset with God for a long time because I said, you're omnipotent, you could have created me in heaven immediately, and I wouldn't have had to go through this. And I didn't understand why. Well, my other kids that I'll meet someday, they got that prayer answered. And part of the reward of going through this is meeting them when I get there. And they won't have, I mean, they're going to be wonderfully um, happy and, and, and grateful that they were created, and there won't be any tears shed on their part, but they're not going to experience something that my wife and I will experience, and that is the relative difference between living here and living there. They just know living there. We're going to get there, and I think a lot of the reward that we're going to experience when we get there is, oh, we don't have to ever do that again. Never again. Forever and ever and ever and ever and never again. And it's, it's there for us. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door... I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. That's a picture of intimacy. Probably one of the best pleasures that exists, uh, my wife and I love. We don't do it near as often as we used to or near as often as we'd like because of our limitations now that we're older. But um, to have a meal with somebody that you love and you invite them over, and you're hospitable, and you make sure that they're comfortable, and and you have good food, and you have something to do, and you have good conversation, and you share. That's, That's a picture of intimacy. And that's what Jesus 
is inviting us to. And he's always standing there at the door knocking. He wants to come in. If you open the door, I will come in. It's a promise. How do you open the door? I open the door in the morning sitting still and waiting for his presence. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he did anoint me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to heal the broken heart, to proclaim captives' deliverance. At the next slide, it's just that first slide, only it's just a little bit closer up. What, what God gave me, in addition to this picture, is a progression of what this would look like in my life. And it's not over. But at first I saw him running, and then I started to consider that he's running to me, and that, that takes a while to fathom. And then he comes, and this picture doesn't exactly signify it well, but he's closer, so picture him on your bed. That's what he gave me as a, as a picture. I'm sitting in a hospital bed. You know, the back is up. My legs are straight out. Usually they're pretty wide. He comes and sits down on the bed, and he looks at me, and he says, what's wrong? And I start to pour out my heart to him, just like David did in the Psalms. Many times he poured his heart out. It might have sounded like complaining, but he was really just being deadly honest, emotionally honest with how tough his life was at times. We need to be in touch with that emotional, uh, true pain. You know, when you lose something or you lose someone, it's proper to grieve. It's unhealthy not to grieve. If you just jump to the next step, oh, well, he's with the Lord now. Let's. Yes, he is. Yes, she is. But if you don't grieve, then you miss the blessing that Jesus promised in the Beatitudes when he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is a blessing in grief. It's not easy, but it's there. And it implies if you don't go through the grief, you won't be blessed. So when Jesus is sitting at my bed, he asked me what's wrong, and I said, my heart is broken. Everybody knows what that's like. In the past year, I had three experiences, nobody here, so don't worry, but I had three experiences that I did not see coming. You know, I've learned to adjust my expectations. I've brought them way down. <laughs> I would advise you do the same. It's what you expect and don't receive that makes you frustrated and disappointed. You know, if you want to expect a lot, expect it of Jesus. But of, our, but of ourself and others, for your own sake, bring it down. And even though I've brought my expectations down a lot, I had three experiences relationally where the rug was like pulled out from under my feet and I didn't see it coming. I mean, it was like somebody punched me in the stomach and I couldn't breathe. And you can keep that slide up there, but the one after it, it says, if an enemy had salted me, 
then I could bear it. If someone who hated me attacked me, then I could hide from him. But you, my equal, my best friend, one I knew so well, we used to talk to each other in complete confidence and walk into God's house with festival crowds. So it, it, it's, not, it's not our neighbor that's normally annoying. It's someone that we love. It's someone that we trust. It's someone that we thought we could count on. And all of a sudden, for seemingly no reason, no reason at least that would deserve that kind of ripping the rug out from under your feet and you fall on your back and lose your wind, I didn't see that coming. And there was like three of them in a row and, and within a year's time frame. So what, what's going on, God? And I know one thing is to continue to not be surprised when people disappoint you, but not with cynicism or bitterness. I've, I've forgiven these people. I don't even think they knew what they were doing, to be honest with you. I think they were just acting out of their own pain and for some reason, I happened to be in the crosshairs and it worked for them that, you know, they projected that out. I'm not saying that I didn't have anything to do with it because I have plenty of imperfections and I probably contributed to it. But it seemed disproportional to what I might have done. And that kind of loss, I'm sure you've all experienced. Well, what do you do with that? You bring it to him. Who understands better than him? He was betrayed with a kiss. The guy who said, I'll go to death with you, uh, denied him three times. Nobody except for John stayed. One, one ran away without his clothes. That's desperation. He's the one. The, the last slide I'd like you to put up, yeah. That's a picture that was painted by a French artist, a teenager, um, and it was coincidentally recognized by the guy, the boy who, uh, whose father, who's a minister, wrote Jesus is so real, I believe, or Jesus is for real. And I saw the movie, and he was, the, the boy was walking by, and somebody was flipping through the pages, and he says, that's who I saw. Now, whether or not that's exactly how he looks, it doesn't matter. This is a picture of a picture that I have hanging on my wall in the living room of our house, and it reminds me, his eyes, you know, can't see the right one as well, but, I mean, the left one as well, but he, he like, looks through you. He sees all of our sins, all of our faults, all of our failings, all of our trouble, all of our mistakes, all the dirt, the smelly stuff, the stuff that we don't want anybody to see, and he looks at us with love. He loves us unconditionally. There is absolutely nothing inside of him but love. He is love. There's not a mean bone in his spirit. 
our picture of a wrathful God was taken care of by him on the cross. He doesn't look like he did in the picture with the crown of thorns, right? He's risen. Never again. He's done it. His work is finished. Our work is to believe. That's it. That's the good news. Just to believe. Just to believe that the Father loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son. It's not just that Jesus loved us so much that he laid down his life. I mean, the scripture says, for a good cause, someone made it lay down their life. We've heard stories about people who, um, you know, jump on a grenade to save their platoon. But for God so loved the world, the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only son to suffer a horrible criminal's death. That's the kind of love that he has for each one of us, each one of us individually. If you want to lose your fear and if you want to lose your anxiety, I would encourage you to meditate on this truth, this simple gospel truth that he loves us that much. I'd like to just, I'd like to pray, but I'd like to give us a little time in this to, for you to ask him what you need. Bring whatever it is that's burdening your heart to him. Lord, we thank you for your good news, the gospel of the finished work of your son and our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it is finished. We thank you that you loved us so much to sacrifice your most prized relationship, your, your only son, a cruel, harsh criminal's death so that we might be reconciled with you. Lord, we've all been hurt. All of our hearts have been broken. Right now, each one of us has something that's burdening us. So in the quietness of your heart, allow your cry, that inner groan of your spirit, united with the groan of the Holy Spirit, to ascend to heaven's throne. Just a groan meet, uh, reaches the throne. Whatever it is, bring it to him. He's here. Fullness of joy in your presence, as the psalm says. He wants to take that burden. Come to me, you who are heavy laden and overburdened. Give him whatever it is that's taxing your heart, your emotions, your body, your spirit, your relationships. Father, you're so good to us. A goodness we don't deserve, but you're happy to give it. A salvation that we haven't earned, 
but you freely share it. A love that we could never deserve, but you can't not love us. Help us to abide in your love. We know that you abide in us. Help us to be aware of you abiding in us, your love coming to perfection such that there is no fear. Fear is not from God. Perfect love, the perfect love of the Father drives out our fear. Father, we submit to you and we renounce fear in all of its forms. We declare that it's the work of the devil and that he's a defeated foe and that we want nothing to do with it. We draw a line in the sand right here. No fear here. Say it. No No fear fear here. here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can do that. Thank you that through the power of your son's blood, we have the ability to submit to you and resist the evil one. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Give us a new life, a more abundant life. That's why you came. Lord, we should be shouting from the rooftops. We thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We give you the glory and the honor that's due your name. Watch over us as we head into this week and Help us to take this awareness of your love, the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ that's fully paid for our sins. Help us to walk in the joy that is consistent with that truth. We pray this through the prayer of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Have a great week.